I met Alex Taborga at the University of Chicago when I was a graduate student there. Uh, she was a, a funny, nice person. We worked together in the equipment cage. Uh, we were uh, both featured in a um, short piece of video art created by uh, our friend Jesse McLean called Magic for Beginners. Uh, I liked Alex uh, when I moved to New York after I graduated. I didn't keep up with Alex, uh, which was my fault, and I regretted it. And recently I uh, received a message from Alex that she had uh, a story that she wanted to tell. Uh, but she was in New York now, and I'm back in Chicago. So I asked my friend Tabitha Vidori to meet with her to uh, record the story. And um, I'll let Tabitha tell you how that went. Hello, I'm Tabitha. <laughs> um, I met with Alex uh for the first time, we had spoken briefly on the phone, but uh, I met with her at a pret a mange because it was raining, um, and she also wanted to meet somewhere, you know, like just like normal. Um, and I only knew like a little bit about her story from what you had told me uh, via text. And then yeah, we sat down, and she pretty much was just like, "I just want to tell this um, start to finish." in a, you know, because it's just like a narrative, and I was like, do, you know, do what you got to do. And she's very nice and very sweet, and um, it's really shitty, all, all the stuff that happened. Um, I don't know, I just left the interview with a feeling of like, because you can get really caught up in like worrying about things, and then it's just like, oh, right, like total human rights just taken away and just detained. Um, and it's upsetting because she didn't do anything wrong. She was just nauseous, which who's not nauseous? You know what I mean? Like who doesn't get nauseous at the airport sometimes? I think it's totally normal, especially if you're flying across the Atlantic Ocean. I think it's pretty reasonable to be nauseous after a journey. And that was just really, things escalated very quickly after that. Um, so here I am with a story. Um, I don't know really how much, how this all goes because I'm more of a question and answers kind of person. Um, but I feel comfortable telling a story from beginning to end if it involves um, some kind of structure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. Um, uh, I come from a very um, conservative, isolated upbringing, more so culturally. Um, my parents moved from Bolivia to America um, back in the 80s, and then I was born. So living and growing up in New York, I thought I knew what it was to be American and to be in a diverse setting among diverse ideas and people. Um, little did I know what Europe and um, racial and class profiling had a, to do with me. I did not know it had to do with me at all, but I guess we're all awakened at some point. Um, on my 
way to India for the first time from New York. I passed through London Heathrow Airport. What followed was a series of miscommunications, misinterpretations, and ambiguity. I put myself in a position of vulnerability simply by being nauseous after a flight. I had three connecting flights. But by being nauseous and vulnerable after my first flight in that one hour in Heathrow Airport, I managed to somehow attract the attention of a shop girl that worked at the airport. From there, things escalated pretty quickly. Paramedics came. Pretty soon I was classified as a foreigner, even though I was a U.S. citizen, and even though U.S. and U.K. relations I thought were to be at an all-time high, they were concerned about my finances, how much money I had, where I was going, what my plans were, and pretty soon an immigration officer got involved. I'm an open-ended person. I like to leave things open. So I bought a one-way ticket. That did not mean I was staying in India. I was also meeting my partner there in northern India in an ashram. I think a lot of it has to do with the cultural differences. Um, I. needed a space to uh, contact I needed a space to contact my loved ones because I wasn't really sure what was going on. What, let, what started with a promise to, uh, to make a phone call and have some water led to a space where internet was out of the question, my phones, all of my devices for contact were taken from me. I was put in a room where the phone calls were made without my, without my knowledge, without my seeing. And I was left with the choice of either going back to where I came from or going to the hospital to get checked up and cleared and then I could be on my way to get clearance. I did not want to leave the airport. I not for a second wanted to go to an, a hospital. 
but I was in a room for a majority of the day, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so I figured I might as well do this and get checked out and be cleared. Because I can't even fathom going back when I just started a journey forward. So I went along with it. Three days and three nights in the hospital, no sleep. There were two guards in my room at all times. Hired by a company called Tascor, T-A-S-C-O-R. It's an escort service. Hired by the Queen. It's a private company. I spoke with many guards there. They all have their stories. And what I noticed is there's a tension in the system. And eventually the system's gonna collapse because both sides are not enjoying the ride. Upon being released and cleared from the hospital, I was checked as healthy and free to go. I was not free to go because I was awaiting for task corps guards to, for their instructions from control to, 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 to find out what they're, where they're going to send me and what they're going to do with me next. I knew there was another flight to catch to India. I had spoken with the airlines back at the airport before I left to the hospital. And I knew a flight time and I knew I could have caught it. But Tascor and Control, they have a way of moving the space and time around them so that the detainees don't get to their destinations on time or a flight is scheduled but then it's canceled on in transit. This is a way of um, using the system to someone's advantage. Probably the private companies because in the end we are their customers. I Upon the hospital, I was sent to Colnbrook, C-O-L-N-B-R-O-O-K, one of the many detention facilities um, in England, but one of the main ones near the Heathrow Airport. And the company, well, it was another one, it was private, called Mighty, M-I-G-H-T-Y, parentheses, care and custody. Upon arrival, I just found out that I was being basically checking into my hotel for, the, for, the, for my stay in the UK, which I did not intend to stay in or leave the airport from. Upon arrival, I talked to a man who was leaving as I'm entering, and he had been there three years, and he was leaving, and he was, he was, he was very, very interesting, because I did not know how much I looked Muslim or something, but the religion plays a lot, plays a big role in this. I was asked what religion I am, what I believe in when I entered, and I just looked at the guard blankly. I could not answer him because I did not even know where I was or what I was doing. So very soon after I was put into a room with a lot of um, Muslim women in a the computers that we need, use to log in to, to access the internet. 
for the first time, which was amazing. I was so happy, thrilled. The username was Sahara. The password was standard. So that's my name now. Sahara Standard. And I'm baffled by this, this story. What's even more baffling is that uh, I was I was pregnant throughout this whole thing. And that baffles me. That baffles me because I think I was treated in a certain way. Not just as a woman, which is just already in and of itself a treatment. But as a as a a vessel for another human, which seemed to be more important to the authorities than even myself. I had a flight scheduled two days upon arrival from at Colebrook, so I went to the scheduled flight. It's not like I had much of a choice. The flight was scheduled to New York. I complied because they're guards and they have guns and handcuffs at all times. So I complied, and I got to the airport, I got to the gate, and then at the gate they say, where, well, you need to pay for this flight, out of pocket. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't pay. I had no time to transfer my money to pounds. I had no intention of paying to come back because I had saved that money for my journey forward, not to be paying this back. So I, I said no, and I was put back into that room, into that one room in Heathrow Airport, which is in the middle of the airport, and it's got no Wi-Fi. Everywhere else there is, it's that cent the center of the airport. It's not even in the basement, it's not at the top, it's in the middle. And there's two rooms, one for women, one for men, and I, I spent basically the, the rest of the afternoon and night there until I, I was taken back to the detention around 2 a.m. I arrived there around 5 p.m. So, left with that, um, an American, I met an American on my way to the, to the center, and uh, she, she let me in on a few secrets. Um, namely that there's a system happening now and underground is going to be a part of it. I don't really want to get into detail because because I feel like there's another way to to, to share uh, to share details. I just know that there. I, I need to be on the right side when the time comes, and this experience has solidified that for me. And I hope for anyone who listens, because when there's a system and there's cracks, there are people that are going to fall, and they're already falling right now as we speak. There's an influx, there's a migration, there are borders and they're being sealed. 
and there are cracks among those borders and people are falling and pretty soon you're gonna fall into the trap too if you keep thinking there are borders to begin with because there are none what followed is I stopped eating their food I stopped eating their food and my mind grew clear. I stopped getting involved in other people's stories and I started seeing my own. And within two to three days time, I was out of there. I did not have to pay for a flight. I simply followed where my passport was going and my passport was going to JFK back to where I came from. What's interesting to note is that if you look at the brighter side of life, I'm in a fortunate one who goes back to a country and la-di-da is freedom galore. What I, I am trying not to focus on is that the very country that sent me back is a friend, a co-bully, and mimics the behavior of the country that I represent. And now I'm starting to see what, what do I represent. So I am in the East Coast now and I'm heading west. I've got a van and a bike and a tent. And I grew up in New York all my life pretty much. I was born in Hell's Kitchen next to the pots and the pans. And that is just the way things go. Because when it comes to containment, it's effervescent. And I feel more free than ever. And I hope you do too with my story. Seven days in detainment. But a lifetime of of rebirth. Thank you.